11. We've been studying the commandments of the Lord as he's instructed us to in the Great Commission of Matthew 28. And we've entered into a very interesting one. We'll begin in verse 2 of chapter 11. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, do we, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do and hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as he departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? All of the cities were going out and listening to John's preaching. A, a reed shaken with the wind. Someone is unstable. No, he had convictions. But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. And it seems as though there's some evidence that the scribes went to work for Herod and was on the payroll of Herod and wore nice clothes. But that wasn't John the Baptist. In verse 9, but what went ye out for to see a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law of and the prophecy prophesied unto John. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if it were received it, and if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears, let him hear. And so the command of all of this is found in verse 15 where Jesus said, this, all this that I've been saying to you about John, how there is a none greater than him and what he came to do, that he, if you have an ear to hear, hear. Commanded us to really sit up and pay attention. There's something that's being said in this passage that is significant. And last week we noted that what made him great, as he said there in verse 11, there's not been among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. And we talked about what made him great. He was great because he believed in repentance. He started preaching there in the first of Matthew, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was great because he was a man that could admit his weaknesses. 
He's doubting where Jesus is really the Messiah. He's not afraid to ask his own disciples to go and to show them that he's struggling and he's, and he's having a weak moment and he's questioning whether the, what Jesus has said is so. He was great because he's a man of conviction. He wasn't a man blowing in the wind. And he was a great because uh, he's a man who could deny himself and take up his cross and follow the Lord. Now, there's something else in this passage that's, that deserves us our giving it an ear to hear. And that's in verse uh, 10 and also verse 13. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And then in verse 13, for all the prophets, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And so the first thing I'd, I would point out to you is that John, John, uh, John's ministry, he, he, he marked the end of an age and the beginning and the beginning of a new age. It said that he prophesied that all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. The Old Testament is referred to throughout the Bible as the law and the prophets. In every, in every time period of history, the Lord has had a group of people that was responsible for maintaining the truth. And that's found throughout the Bible. Before the written word, Adam, of course, was instructed about sacrifices, and surely there's much more than what we can see just in reading of the Bible. His descendants, Abel and Seth and Enoch and Methuselah, they all uh, had some truth. Methuselah had some great truth, and where he got that, I don't know. It uh, doesn't seem like there was any any known scriptures that had been written. Uh, eventually, all those come uh, after Noah, and and uh, God comes to a time where He begins to work through one people group, through Abraham and Abraham's descendants, and and. Uh, Possibly before that, Job did write, uh, the book of Job was written. But when we come from Moses after Abraham, and then we come down to Moses, and then we be, have the beginning of the Law and the Prophets. Moses writing the first five books, and then the prophets coming along. We do have, in that time period, other Gentiles being saved, Rahab, and people from Nineveh, and the Kenites, and, but God has always worked through 
a people group that would be caretakers, if I, for a better word, caretakers of the truth. Luke says, the law and the prophets were until John. And since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. So what is God saying? God is not saying that the law and the prophets were done away with. But he's saying that the old age, the old economy of the law and the prophets was coming to an end and the dawning of a new group that was going to be the caretakers of the truth. It's not a new way of salvation. Abraham believed God and was counted him for righteousness. The law didn't bring in a new way of salvation. It's not a way that that changed what the law and the prophets taught, but it was but it was a new caretaker, if I can if you can take that term of the truth. God's going to later identify that caretaker of the truth as the New Testament church. If you go with me over to First Timothy, First Timothy chapter three and verse 15, very powerful statement. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church, the assembly, the congregation of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, when we see that word church, and we won't take long on that because you know that, but a church is not, is not something universal, but it's something that's local. It's a, it's a congregation. That, that congregations are, that have... Um, kind of going to jump ahead of some building the foundation there, but, but congregations that have come from what the Lord is going to do here with John, begin with John, are responsible for taking care of the truth, that is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And you'll see where we eventually go is that ever... New Testament church that has descended in time and and has, can be biblically shown to be follow the scriptures. They're responsible for taking care of the truth. And so, uh, what I want you to try to get a get a little bit of a hold on this morning is that when Jesus said, "He that hath an ear, let him hear." There's something important that we understand about John being the end of the law and the prophets. That it's going to be a new economy. Not taken away from the truth from that, but what has happened is that Israel, as the caretakers of the truth, has dropped the ball. And as Jeremiah said, truth has fallen in the street. And no one was, no one was earnestly contending for the faith 
in the Old Testament. Didn't mean that there still wasn't some that believed. I think that those at Simeon and some that were involved in the early life of Christ when he was a child, still there was some truth there, but it wasn't being uh, maintained by any group in a in a any kind of a respectable fashion, and so. The Bible says here that, that it was until John, uh, the law and prophets were until John. Another uh, verse that's interesting, he says in Luke 16, saying the same thing, but he says the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. So we are to... As a, as a church of God, as a house of God, things have changed. The temple in the Old Testament was the house of God, no longer considered the house of God. In fact, by the time that these words are spoken, the temple had been destroyed. The house of God is no longer a building of God. Well, maybe the first temple, the other temple was not destroyed until 70. And so the church is not a building. I'm kind of rambling here. It's, but it's an assembly of believers. And of course, uh, we know it to be baptized believers. It's the pillar and the ground of truth. And Jesus is going to command this first assembly, he says, there's, there's a number of things that Jesus came to do. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. But he also says in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's going to die upon the cross. And so when he said it is finished, then we, we understand that his work of seeking his work of, of uh, satisfying the demand of God against sin, and I believe also his work of establishing a church was finished. Now, and so the first thing we just say here we need to understand is that John marked, he marked the end of an age and the beginning of a new age. And secondly, He not only marked the end of an age, but he, he too, he prepared a people for the Lord. Look at Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And verse 2. As it is written in the prophets, in the book of Malachi, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, 
which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins or because of the remission of sins. And so John came preparing a people. Luke's account of this says, And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. From the book of Malachi until the book of Matthew, there are 400 years of silence from God. And during that time, the truth of God uh, never changed, but those that was entrusted to keep the truth, the Jewish nation did change. And they changed for the worse. Isaiah said, Wherefore the Lord said, For as this people draw near me with their mouth, but with their lips they do honor, they do honor. Okay, let me. For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. And Jesus, he, uh, he witnessed this in his own ministry, and we see this prophecy coming true. If you go to Matthew 15, Matthew 15 and 7, he says, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And so, uh, revelation and authority has gone from just Bible to also men. Men making uh, the words authoritative when they're not. And so, they, they, they went through the motions, uh, but their heart is far from them. And something had to change. And so to begin to have the, the catalyst to begin that change was with John the Baptist. And he came preparing a people for the Lord. How did he prepare them? Well, in the third chapter we, we find of Matthew, we find when John came upon the scene, he was preaching, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In verse 2, for this is he that, John, uh, Matthew 3, 2, for this is he that was spoken by the prophets Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And this same John had his raiment of camel's hair and, and uh, leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. And you'll find that when he came, he came preaching repentance, and 
people came out to be baptized of him after they professed their sins. And were, but we're, but at verse 7, But when we saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to the baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meant for repentance. And so we see here that uh, if you really study this, and there's so many uh, little um, ramifications of this, but John never ever preached that baptism was salvation. He calls upon them uh, to confess their sins and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins, that they confessed their sins and then they were baptized. It was a message of salvation by, by grace and not by works. And he told them to bring forth fruits of repentance, that repentance was necessary. It's a message that baptism followed repentance in verse 8. A message of judgment to come. A message of separation of believers to heaven and unbelievers to, to eternal destruction there in verse 12. And so he began to prepare people by by preaching repentance. And those that repented, he uh, baptized. And from this prepared people, the ones who had repented and were baptized of John, he calls them out and he establishes his church. Remember, he went along the seashore and called them out. Come follow me. He, uh, he sees um, Matthew at the tax receipt and, and uh, challenges him. And Matthew's saved and he follows him. If you look over in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 35. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. What is going on here? It, it, here's this John the Baptist, and he's going about, and he has his disciples with him. And here comes Jesus, and he steals all of John's sheep. No, they never were John's sheep. They were prepared for the Lord. Right. And, and here they go and align with Jesus. You see, um, you see what happens is somehow people, when they try to describe John the Baptist, and, and they try to understand his ministry and make something of it, they just say that he's just a relic of the Old Testament. And uh, he had his thing. But they, never, but they never put together the fact that John came to prepare people so there would be a new caretaker of the truth. And let me, <laughs> let me get a little radical here. If you're not connected in some way with what John started and Jesus used his, his, those that, for building material, then 
uh, you're on shaky truth. That, that uh, Jesus has not had where it's never been in God's plan where the truth is found a little bit over here and a little bit over here and everybody everybody has a bit of truth and sometimes we disagree on truth but we're all headed for the same place and that we just need to we just need to concentrate on the essential truths and they try to legitimize Many flavors of religion. But Jesus had a certain specific group that were caretakers of the truth. And, uh, and, and, and you, you know, uh, the Bible talks about that in the last time there will be many departing from the truth. He's not talking about the Mormons. He's not talking about the Catholics. He's not talking about the Greek Orthodox. They're already departed. But he's talking about Baptists who are compromising. And when he said, when he said what he's saying about John here, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear. I am going to establish a new caretaker of the truth, and I'm going to begin that from those that John has prepared. Look over in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6. And verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went up into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called on him and his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, who he also, whom he also he named apostles. And then it gives you the names of those. And so there was a certain point in time when, when this thing's coming together more specifically, and Jesus had been out praying all night. There was something that's on his heart. There's some, something that's before him. And the next day, he calls out 12 specific men. And then if you look over a corresponding verse with this, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts, healings, helps, government, and diversities. You could take that first in time or first in importance. It doesn't matter to me. But what I'm pointing out here is this, is that these apostles, when he called them out, they're in something that the Lord has said, it's my assembly. These were a part of his church, his congregation, his assembly. That word church, ecclesia, it was a, it was a term used that was familiar. It was like the town assembly. North Pole Assembly. Fairbanks people can't come out and dictate and make motions at the North Pole Assembly. It's a local assembly. 
And when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, the word my is important because it was his assembly, something different from all other assemblies that belonged to him. And so John prepared a people uh, for the Lord. I think it was a very serious matter we see here when he's praying all night. I believe that every church should have some kind of a lineage. I don't think that, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I know the ABA, they'll say, okay, here's where the Lord started his church and then the church at, you know, at Ephesus and, and then, and then uh, they go down here to 2000. Uh, 23 and they'll say that we have a lineage all the way back to Christ but when you but when you read their lineages sometimes there's great gaps in them not that it wasn't there but that history has been lost but you see I I don't have to if 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 I can't trace Black Road Baptist Church all the way back, you know, then does that mean that uh, we don't really have a connection with the, with the Lord's church? No, listen. Lineage is not only proven by time, which sometimes is faulty, but it's proven by, were they preaching what we're preaching? And uh, we're put in that, we can see that we belong to that group of people. And so when he said that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth, he, it's, not, it's not local, it's not a, it doesn't apply to individuals. It doesn't apply to a lodge or a club but it applies to a local assembly. God says some things about the church. He says that it's the pillar in the ground of the truth. He also says in Ephesians 3.21, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, world without end. And he tells us whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. I personally believe, and you can believe what you want and be wrong, <laughs> but I personally believe that all religious activity ought to be centered in the church. I believe every missionary ought to be connected to a church. And I believe every home Bible study ought to be uh, not necessarily sanctioned and looked over, uh, but it ought to be approved by the church. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't go talk to your neighbor and do a Bible study, but uh, it ought to be something that your church doesn't oppose. Every Sunday school, Every vacation Bible school, every camp, every Bible college ought to be 
underneath the authority of the church. Because Jesus said in Matthew 28, that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel of creature in Mark, but all power is given to me in heaven and earth. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, make disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them to observe all things. There's many freelancers out there today. And they may be teaching the truth. And we say, you know, and I question sometimes, well, what about men like John MacArthur and men that are really, you know, have some real knowledge about the scriptures? How, you know, are we to write them off? Well, I don't, I don't think so in, in one way. I think that... Um, we need to understand that truth is truth. And Jesus said, I don't care who's teaching it, whether they're teaching it, Paul said, whether they're teaching it out of, you know, uh, what did he say? Whether they're doing it for the Lord or they're doing it out of trying to be confrontational. He said, I rejoice that the gospel's preached. And so, but, but I would maintain this, that the truth that other groups have they have because there's somebody guarding the truth. Are you with me? Someone was maintaining the truth. And, and this is one that um, that um, Jesus started. Okay. Uh, he not only Prepare the people for the Lord, <laughs> Mark, the end of the age, but three, he, um, Mark, a change in authority. When Jesus, when Mark appeared on the scene, I mean, John appeared on the scene, we find Jesus, if you go over to the book of Mark, says in verse 9, uh, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. Jesus came all the way from up in Galilee down more to the center of Jerusalem in the Jordan River and was baptized of John from Nazareth to Galilee to the Jordan is about 60 miles. Was there no water in northern Israel? Well, see, Galilee's up there. Was there no man strong enough to baptize Jesus because he was heavy? Were there no believers in Galilee to perform the act? Why did he come to John? Well, he came to John because there was an issue of authority. And he came to fulfill all righteousness. Not that Jesus needed to a picture that he was dead in sins and buried and rose again. 
But the matter that I'm getting at is that not just anybody could baptize. And in John chapter 1, in verse 6, it says of John, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Look in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 and 23. And when he came, Matthew 21, 23, and when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And so authority was an issue. And Jesus asked and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? Where's the authority? And he reasoned with himself saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why did you not believe him? And if we say of men, we fear the people for all hold John as a prophet. But the underlying issue here is that John clearly had authority. And it was from the Lord. Now, look over in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, John has been, pre been preparing a people for the Lord. And in John chapter 3, and verse 27, he says, And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. And baptism is the context. Ye yourselves bear me witness, and I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom which, with, which, which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He said, I'm not the bride, I'm not the church, but I'm the bridegroom. And he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth, and he that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent, speaking the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit, but measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things unto his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And then as you go on, you'll begin to see that that authority, John is decreasing, the Lord is increasing, and that authority goes to the church. And definitely we know that by, by Matthew chapter 28. But the disciples begin to baptize. Now, for a church then to be scriptural, Bible, to follow the example of the Bible, it has to start at the right time. 
Jesus said, I'll build my church. Has to start in the first century, around 30 AD. It has to be started by the right person. Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you take up your Bible and you take up your history book, you'll find that no church or group of churches No congregation, denomination, if you want to say that, can trace their lineage back to the first century, but the Baptist. Roman Catholics, difference of dates, some say in three, this, these notes say 610. Greek Orthodox, 1054, the Lutherans, 1500, 1530. Episcopal, 1530, Presbyterian, 1549, Mormons, 1830, John, uh, uh, John Charles Wesley, the Methodist, beginning in 1729. Cardinal Hosius, a Catholic, who was at the Council of Trent, said this, Were it not that Baptists have been grievously tormented and cut off with a knife during the past 1,200 years, which would have put that back to the 300s, they would swarm in greater number than all the reformers. Well, the only thing he got wrong there was Baptists never were reformers. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Sir Isaac Newton said, the Baptists are the only body of known Christians that have never symbolized with Rome. A Lutheran historian by the name of Mosheim said before the rise of Luther and Calvin, which was the Protestant Reformation, there lay secreted in almost all the countries of Europe persons who adhered tenaciously, <laughs> I like that, to the principles of modern Dutch Baptists. The Presbyterian Encyclopedia said, it must have already occurred to our readers that the Baptists are the same sect of Christians that were formerly described as Anabaptists Anna means rebaptizers. They rebaptized people who had been immersed or sprinkled before they were saved. Indeed, this seems to have been their leading principle from the time of Tertullian to the present. And Tertullian, he puts them back to the time of Tertullian, and Tertullian was born 50 years after John, the apostle John's death. Also, and we can probably make too much of this, but uh, John the Baptist he marked the people I want you to understand that it doesn't say in the Bible John the Baptizer doesn't say that. It's not, a, it's not a verb. But John the Baptist, a noun. Because Baptists are so maligned today, and some of them rightfully so, 
Many want to remove the name Baptist from their sign, but still say we, we're maintaining Baptist doctrine. I know that those who are called Baptists today were called by many names, Waldensians, Albigensians, but uh, the name Baptist is not one to shine. It's not one to be ashamed of. It identifies us with the man who prepared the way of the Lord. The man who marked the division between the law and the prophets and the New Testament. Those people in their individual churches are accountable to be caretakers of the truth. John came preaching repentance, baptizing those that had showed fruits of repentance, and Jesus places them in his church. Someone said long ago, someone said that, what would you be if you weren't a Baptist? Well, let me just say before I give you the answer to that, let me say this. A lot of times, a lot of times Baptists, this, these, these truths I'm speaking about today, they camp on these truths and they, and they yell these truths and they spout these truths, but they never get into the Bible and rightly divide the word of truth and feed their people. They're a rah-rah group that we're the bride of Christ. We come from Jesus Christ. But the depth of their preaching is very shallow. And it grieves me. A lot of Baptist churches are seen as being very shallow. And some of them have got sidetracked by saying, you know, only taking part of the Great Commission, go make disciples. But we're also to teach them to observe all things, what I recommended you. When people leave a, a Baptist church and go to another, quote, Baptist church, and they go from bad to worse, someplace they've not been, had a foundation for the truth. And so what would I be if I wasn't a Baptist? I'd be ashamed. I'd be ashamed. Particularly because I've uh, been exposed to the truth. And so, John, uh, the Lord said here, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Am I saying... I'm not saying that 
There's other churches by other names that are even outdoing Baptist churches in spreading the gospel. They are. And shame on us. But what is going to... There's only, there's only one group of peoples in their, inner, in, their, in their different assemblies that have had the promise... I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that comes to those who earnestly contend for the faith. It comes to those who preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. I don't know how to, I, I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just really grieved today about churches that I know and, 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 and my exposure has been across the board to many kind of churches as far as in many kind of Baptist churches. But uh, it's not enough just to say we descended from the Lord's church. We're to know the truth and to preach the truth and to guard the truth and to earnestly contend for the truth and to preach the gospel that saves souls. And so when he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear, what that does is that, what it should do, it should put a great weight of responsibility on your shoulders. Not just the guy who stands here, but upon your shoulders. You're the church. And so if you have some ears, hear. Earnestly contend for the faith. We're living in a day when faith is rapidly, the truth is rapidly going by the wayside. I'm not saying all Baptists are saved or only the Baptists are saved, but I am saying that there is a group of people who can scatter throughout the world in individual congregations who are to be, be those who hold to the truth, that have the promise of perpetuity who have God's authority. And so, Christ said that, he, said, he says that he loved the church and gave himself for it. Not that he didn't die for all the world, but he particularly points out those who are his assembly. He sees them as a glorious bride eventually when they all come together. And so, what does that do for me personally? Well, it doesn't make me proud in the sense of, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> but it makes me very sober. And we have a command coming from the king. He that hath an ear, let him hear. 
and respond accordingly.